there is no secret formula for scaling customer support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new HubSpot Service Hub, bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with AI-powered help desk, all so you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Marketing Against the Grain. I am your host, Kip Bodner. As always, we're going to take you behind the scenes of all things marketing, growth, and entrepreneurship. I am always joined by my fearless co-host. He puts the oh no in crypto. <laughs> His hair is a mess because he's too busy playing chess. I mean, he is Kieran Flanagan. What's up, Kieran? How you doing? Everyone is oh no with crypto. <laughs> I know. I, I had to go there right off the bat. It just depends how much. We are also joined by a very special guest, the one, the only Hannah Fleischman. Hannah is a longtime HubSpotter, longtime friend. She is what I would call a queen of Halloween. Oh, I love it. <laughs> queen of Halloween. Ooh. I do. You love Halloween. That was my intro for you. You're the queen of Halloween. You do not want to mess with Hannah's writing skills either. She will take you down. She is here to enjoy the pod with us, to chime in on everything. And she is going to be our host for a very, very fun, special game. We're going to play Marketing Against Humanity, everyone. We're going to play a marketing-themed version of Cards Against Humanity. Kira and I have written our own prompts Hannah has selected some amazing questions, and Hannah's going to decide who wins every round. It's going to be amazing. But before we get to the game, Kieran, what the hell's happening on the internet right now? Everyone is trying not to go broke. <laughs> Whatever you thought your life was, uh, rethink it, because it is not like that anymore. <laughs> no, I think that, uh, yeah, most people are trying not to go broke. I think there was a really great story this week. It uh, was not a really great story. 18 billion wiped out in crypto overnight, mm-hmm. the little Luna debacle. Um, I didn't have yeah. Luna. I don't know if any either of you two are into crypto and have Luna. I escaped all of that, but... Everything is down. I'm not playing chess. I didn't play any chess since our last recording. You still haven't sold your chess NFT, I imagine, right? So Hannah, I've, you can, um, <laughs> if you want to, like this is a deal worth doing. Are you going to try to sell me an NFT he right is, now? Is. Yeah, but no, you're not. Not just, oh gosh. not just any NFT. It is an NFT of me beating someone in chess. And so you can actually go and mint winning games of chess and then you can put them on the marketplace and people can buy them. I have an incre- like, incredible checkmate. <laughs> Like just a checkmate from, I don't know how I pulled it out of the bag. It is like one of the all-time greats. And you can literally buy that. And you could hang it on your wall. Just me winning in chess, uh, $10. Wow. Yes, no. Are you in? Are you out? I mean, I'm going to have to think on this okay. one. I'm not sure you sold me yet. Especially because you just kicked this off with like, it is a terrible time <laughs> to be buying yeah, yeah, yeah. NFTs. Yeah. So even $10, like, you know, I don't know if I feel like losing 10 bucks today. Let me give it some fun. So it's $10 or 1 billion Luna. <laughs> You could buy <laughs> No, but I've got some really good things. Hold on. But I have to tell people before, when you were trying to sell Hannah your NFT, if everybody could have seen Hannah's face, she was like, what the hell is this guy doing? She's not into the NFT. So here's what I'll say. And, and then I, and I might get no, a lot of please. flack for this, especially from this group. One of my favorite icebreaker questions is to ask people, what are you deeply disinterested in? <laughs> oh, I love this. Like, it's not something you hate. It's just like, what is something that when people talk about it, like when people talk about it, you kind of glaze oh, over. Oh, I love this. Um, and mine is NFTs. And I know that is a very unpopular opinion. No, I don't think it's unpopular at all, actually. My brother is deep into Web3, and every time we hang out, I love him, but he'll talk to me about all his NFTs, everything that he's building in the metaverse. And I'm like, hey, let's come back to Earth for a couple seconds, (laughs) hang out. Um, And that is my topic. All right, so you're disinterested in NFTs. I think we have to do your prompt now, though. This is a good one. Kieran, what is the thing you're most disinterested in? If Hannah's most disinterested in NFTs. 
humans. No, it's not. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) He's not joking, but he has to say he's joking. Especially after my comment. Yeah, fair. What am I deeply disinterested in? I have to kind of mull that one over. There's a lot of things. Um, (laughs) What like like a thing that other people really like that you're just not that into. Like my other one is Friends, the show Friends. Like it's not that good. Hannah, that's that's a hot, hot take. You're coming in hot. That's hotter than (laughs) NFTs. This is how we get flamed in the podcast (laughs) reviews on Apple Podcasts. People come at you for your friends attack. (laughs) Well, we'll cut this piece out. No, no, they're coming after you. It's gonna be great. Cooking. Lots of people talk about they like to cook and food and I despise it. I think it's like the worst thing in the world that you have to do to survive is have to make yourself food. Okay, that's a good one. So you weren't making sourdough during COVID. Uh, No. I have one that will cause everybody to come after me. Skip's going to say marketing. (laughs) That would be good. (laughs) I am deeply disinterested in all of the whole comic book everything. The movies, the TV shows, the Marvel DC universes. What? No. I could not care literally at all about any of them. Really? Yes. Do not care. I have not watched any of them. I love all that stuff. Could care less. That's an excellent answer. The question is, when people talk about Marvel, do you pretend no. that you've seen them? I just say, good, hey, so you're true to that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, have a good conversation. I'm just going to set this one out. Like, it's not something I spend my time on. That's controversial. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. If you want to come at me on my Marvel DC take, I'm just not interested in it. It's just not for me. I understand that it's for other people. I'm just not something I, I'm interested in. I, okay, now I feel like we learned a lot about each other. Hannah's out on NFTs. Kieran's out on cooking. I'm out on Marvel. Kieran, I knew you had some things you wanted to cover before we get into the game. I got some leadership things because Hannah's on and Ooh, Hannah yeah. is part of our incredible team who knows a lot about leadership. So I thought I'd put leadership things on the docket. I'm going to start with an Elon Musk tweet and then I'm going to get into <laughs> leadership advice that I think is applicable to everyone from uh, the kind of godfather of mindfulness. How about that? Okay. All right. right? Sweet. His name is John kabat Z. All right. Elon Musk had this tweet when he was talking about how he's going to redesign Twitter. And one of the things he was talking about is he wants managers to have deep expertise in the things that they manage. Now, he was talking about software engineers, but I thought it was a good question to open up to both of you. Like, do you think the best managers have done the role that they are in or have deep domain expertise in the people that they manage? Or do you think you can be an incredible manager without having to have like deep domain expertise in the thing that you are managing? Hannah, what do you think? My reaction to that is yes, you can. I think you can be a great manager or leader in something that's not your area of expertise. Because like the core of management, right, is about like setting people up for success and servant leadership and helping people learn. I don't know that that necessarily means you need to go deep on the topic as long as you can help them get there, right? Can you help them find mentors? Can you help people still learn and develop? So my take on that is no, you don't need to be, I think. Kip, what about you? I agree and disagree, right? All at the same time. So I think you're right. I think there are two things here. There's managing and then there's leading. I think you can manage someone without that core expertise Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, here's this strategy that we're trying to execute. I know how to give you feedback, progress check onto that the status of that strategy support you in like managing timelines getting blockers out of the way all the things i think you were kind of alluding to and i think you can do that without really deep expertise the building of that strategy and the leadership around that is very hard without deep expertise it's one of those things where if you are establishing strategy you have to at least know what's possible so maybe you haven't done it but you've spent time in that part of the business enough to like have the context around what the trade-offs you would have to make would be and what the impacts of those were. I run a team of, you know, 500 marketers. I haven't done 
every aspect of marketing in my life. So like to your point, Hannah, it's very possible. At the same time, I spend a lot of my time learning about marketing so that I can be very articulate and aligned with everybody in terms of the work that each individual team is doing. So I think it's kind of a balance. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Kieran, we haven't heard from you yet. What's your take? Yeah, I think there's some of this that is rule dependent. And then the more people you manage, you're not going to be able to have complete coverage over everything. I do think the people gravitate towards managers who can help them solve really hard problems. And if your manager cannot help you solve large problems, it's harder for them to set you up for success and certainly in some disciplines. So I think it is hard to lead in a lot of different areas if you don't have deep knowledge in that area because you will struggle to unlock that person's potential. And in my experience, you also have people will lose faith like, ah, oh, they're just a manager. They don't really know the problems that I have. They don't understand them because they don't have the knowledge to be able to dig in deep with me. So I do think it helps a lot, which is why I always think for people who are young in their careers, like trying to move into management too quickly is sometimes the worst thing you can do. 100%. Like, Hannah, you've been an individual contributor, a director. Do you agree with Kieran's take on like, it's better to spend more time getting good at your craft instead of rushing into management and becoming a professional manager? We have a ton of people who listen to this show who always ask us questions around this around like, how do I learn? How do I grow? How do I develop my career? What advice would you give them on kind of the IC to manager leader timeline? It's not black and white, right? So everyone's path is very different. I don't think there's a right or wrong path to take. For me personally, I spent what, um, you know, Kip, what we met 10 years ago when I joined HubSpot on the marketing team doing events and writing eBooks back in the day. And so I spent, you know, a couple of years as an IC trying to get really good at marketing, content creation, writing. And then I became a manager maybe five years into that. It was great. I think I learned a lot of different skills about leadership, team building, giving, getting feedback, all of that good stuff. For me personally, I was a director, chose to move into an IC role again, because I was learning a lot to help my team. I wasn't learning a lot and going deep on my own craft. So to your point, that time isn't always there. I think luckily at HubSpot, you can kind of move around and do a little bit of both. But I felt like I wasn't able to go deep on some of the things I wanted to learn and develop on as I was still managing a team. So I wish I could say like, it seems like both are possible. You could do both at the same time. I I think if you really want to learn your craft, it is important to spend time as an IC. Yeah, just round of applause for that answer, Hannah. Like the whole world needed to hear that answer. And I would just yes and you and be like, I think that is extra true if you're a human that makes stuff. You're a maker. You like to write. You like to create. I think if you are somebody who in your soul likes to make and create, doesn't mean you shouldn't be a manager, shouldn't be a leader, but you do need more individual time to make and create, to learn and hone what you love. Like one of the reasons I do this podcast is because I have this innate ability, like I need to make things. I can't just not make something. And I think if that's who you are, then you have to be mindful of that, like in your career and how you think about it. Yeah, I love that. That's a really good point. Do you want to get into incredible leadership mindfulness quotes for sure okay all right this guy is really cool i think he's from boston actually but i think part of his history is showing how you can apply mindfulness to chronic pain but he is really really well known uh, and so I, he's an incredible person john Kabat-Zee. and so here are some things that i picked out that i think are applicable to leadership and we can talk about them through the lens of leadership so one of the things that he said and someone said to me is your goal in life, like this is the life goal, should be to live your maximum life with the minimum amount of effort. Mm. And so what do they mean by that? Actually, it means that we try to live our maximum life with the maximum amount of effort. And so we expend so much energy doing that that we don't really have time to enjoy it. I was thinking about that in terms of like leadership. Leadership, we talked about this with Capri. Like if you think about that in terms of leadership, what does that mean? Well, 
it means you should ruthlessly prioritize, mm-hmm. right? Maximum output with minimum amount of input. You should kill things that don't work. Everyone is horrible at that. Horrible. Everyone, like all companies, all people are horrible at that. And try to test things with the minimum amount of resources. And so like, if you want to actually see if something work, how can I get that answer with expending the minimum amount of resources to be able to prove that is uh, true or not? I looked at that and I kind of thought about how you would apply that in the realm of the things that we do. I don't know if both of you have anything to kind of add to that. I'm thinking there's a lot to unpack there. No, I'm going to go because I have one that I think is really good. Well, Hannah's working on hers. Here you go. This is my take of the thing you left out. The biggest way to maximize your life while minimizing effort is to relinquish unnecessary control. That's it. Most people obsess about having control over stuff that does not matter. Mm. We're having control over tasks, people, things that don't matter, that those things don't matter and that they don't need to be involved with because the person that they can delegate that thing to is highly competent and capable of doing it. And like the job is to not control this thing. The job is to set very crystal clear expectations and communicate clearly, quickly, and then let that person go and do it. Right. Life is riddled with challenge and effort when you fail to relinquish control. Right. That be personally, professionally, like that is my, one of my big life lessons, I think up to this point. And I think the people who really kind of minimize their effort are those who are great at relinquishing control. Agreed. Mm. Is that a life hack right there? I think it is. I think we got a life hack. It's only a life hack if you can do it, Hannah. The problem is the reason why it's so hard is because it's, I think, hard for humans to do, right? Totally. Well, I was thinking about first on the life piece, and then we'll talk about how this applies to worker and leadership. But when you first started saying that, Kieran, my first thought was like the energy I think a lot of us, myself included, put into all the things you think you should be doing, like your aspirational self, yes, like yeah. what is my happiest version yeah. of myself look like? And the energy that actually goes into thinking about that, feeling badly you're not doing those things and all the questioning that you do and the skepticism you have about yourself, I think is one of the things that like, that would be the easiest thing if we could all do it to just stop thinking about it. Like just live your life the way you're living it and the way that makes you happiest, you know, in the moment, but also, you know, making good decisions, things like that. And I was joking about this with someone the other day. We were like, what are things your aspirational self likes that you actually don't like? And for me, it's like, you know, green juice, working out, like, you know, all that kind of stuff that like, I know they would technically make me happier and like make my life better. But like, I just know that like, you know what, why don't I just stop thinking about those things? Just, you know, live life the way that I, I want to. So I think for me personally in life, I have found that that is kind of like my little hack of like, let's just stop thinking about those things. And then on the work side, I think, you know, great point about, control. I think the other thing it comes down to is like leverage. I talk about this a lot with our CEO Yamini when we work on kind of content communications, but also everything. Like how do you just get the most leverage out of everything that Mm -hmm. you're doing? And I see this a lot too with, you know, ICs or new managers. We're always reinventing the wheel. And so I think to that point, it's like, you know, if you put in 15% of the effort, ideally you can get, you know, 70% back or something like that. And like that's the way that leverage should work with everything that you work on. And I don't think we're always thinking through that lens. Yeah. And I would chime in and say I completely agree with you. And I think that there's a reason for that. It's what I call like the pride of originality. You know, you you feel like this need to be original, to come up with this idea and like feel good about yourself that you've come up with this idea versus saying, no, I don't need to do that. Somebody else has already thought of that. I can just go use what they have done and then, you know, work on my own idea and some other thing that matters. But especially when you're earlier in your career, you feel like you have to have that, the novel insight all the time. And that's actually not true. 
Sometimes it's just like being very pragmatic and say, oh, this stuff is known. My job is to go figure out this other stuff that is unknown. So I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Ashley Hannix, when someone told me that quote, I kind of thought about it in a similar way that you thought about it. And someone gave me really good advice recently. It was actually my acupuncturist. And uh, <laughs> she, she said to me like, the one thing you should try to do is do things more sloppily. And what she means by that is if I'm given a task, I like research it and then try to be the best at that thing within like a week. I have the same disease. <laughs> yeah. When I started the box, my coach told me like, okay, you're a great boxer, but you need to actually not try to be professional overnight. Like you, like it's just, and I think that thing of like, how can I do be more sloppily? Like, how can I do this just because I enjoy doing it? And it takes me on to my next quote. Cause I, I think this is a great one. This is actually for you, Kip, because you and I are similar hair. Oh, so please, maybe this will help please. you. But also it's going to help, I think, people in leadership roles in the in, in tech roles. So another great insight um, was to obsess about the process, not the results. And I think for most of us in tech, we obsess about the win. Yeah, I, I, I can't do this. Yeah, I know you can. This is why I brought this one in here. I'm not humanly capable of doing what you just said. I'll be really honest so it's, with everybody you, listening. I, that is like, it is literally an impossibility for my life to ever yeah. do that. And I'll just be honest, it's not, it's just not possible. You care about the inputs because you can't control the output all the time, right? It's kind of like, you can care about, am I doing the right things here to be successful? And similar in your role, like, am I doing all the things that I can do to be successful? But is that even true? I feel like I've done a pretty good job of controlling outputs up to this point. Like, we're doing okay. It's true for a lot of people, right? Let's say that you are one of the all-time great search teams. Sure. And you are steadily declining in traffic. Now, is that because you are not doing the thing you are doing or is that because Google has changed the parameters of the game? And so in that case, you could look at the results and go, wow, I suck, right? I'm just inherently bad mm -hmm. at my job. Or you could look at the inputs and say, have we executed to a world-class level on the inputs and have the parameters changed in some way that has caused us to have a result that was very different than we had expected? And what can we learn from that and how can we iterate and change? I think there's something in that because I quickly forget about what it took to do something and only see it, did I win or lose. <laughs> so it's like you could spend like months going like, oh, effort, inputs, you know, team doing all this stuff. And I think that was one of my early flaws as a leader is like my whole team could work for months to do something. And if it didn't win, I discount all of that work and that inputs. I'm like, oh, well, the chart says we didn't win. So we didn't win. Right. But it glosses over like the things that you had control over. Well, did you execute those to work class level? I think there's something interesting in there for people in terms of management, having lead teams. I think this can both be true and not be possible for me at the same time. <laughs> Kip's really struggling with this. I feel like Kip's having some sort of breakdown in real time. No, <laughs> Can like, I actually do this? Could I? Just like, I, could I really I do this? She's physically uncomfortable. Yeah, it's with like this, this, this caused a real mental <laughs> anguish. I could see it. Like in your, I purposely wanted to do this one because you and I are obsessed <laughs> about the win, and I was like, you are really obsessed about the win, and so I wanted to make sure you know give you some time to like mull on this and see. I if know it there's be a lot about like enjoying the journey and respecting the process. I just. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. I just can't enjoy it. I either win or I don't. Yeah. I'm happy or I'm really unhappy. Yes. That's it. <laughs> okay, I'm one of those people. I'm sorry. It's just true. Okay. Well, let me give you a binary one. Here's a good one. And I could actually mistype this. You could tell me if it sounds right or not. I actually got pulled aside when I started like really working with the product and engineering team. Mm -hmm. Someone called me out for being like, you're just black or white, right? Like you're either on like this side is correct and this side is wrong or this side is correct. This side is wrong. 
And actually, in mindfulness, you're kind of taught that it's black and white, mm -hmm. right? Like, actually, you should be able to live on both sides. And actually, all of the good stuff is in the middle. And all of the context is in the middle. And so let me give you a real, you know, tangible bit of advice for a leader. A leader will come in and they'll look at things and they'll say, wow, like, half of the stuff is all dumb, right? Like, it's I'm black or white. Like, it's kind of dumb. I don't know why it's done like that. But when you dig into the context, like the gray of why things are the way they are, it actually gives you a bunch of nuances, granularity, and actually why these things are, are the way they are, are much different than why you thought they were. And so trying to stop yourself from like going on either side of the argument and trying to spend time to really understand why things are the way they are and crystallize the problem and crystallize why it's that way, I think it's good advice for all of us. Like I am very solution oriented. Boom, here's a problem. I get it. It doesn't take me long to get it. I'll just go solve it. And sometimes by doing that, you can miss all of the important stuff that gets kind of lost in the middle. Kip's still thinking about the results. I, I can't get over <laughs> I can't get over the last one. I'll be honest with you. That's why I'm like, Hannah, you work with like amazing leaders and you've observed a bunch of leaders. Do you buy what Kieran is selling on like living in the middle and observing the middle? Do you think like all the great leaders and successful leaders you know and yourself like operate that way or not? Like what's your what's your take? It's so interesting. I think it's similar to the last topic, which made Kip physically uncomfortable. <laughs> Literally did. To your point, it's not either or. Like we should ideally be after great results, but also be enjoying yes. and paying attention yes. to the process. Right. Like I think there's Preach. a balance there ideally. And similar to this, there are times when leaders, I think, need to have conviction and be yes. on one I side of the argument or one side of the debate or one side of the decision. But a lot of the times there needs to be that living in the gray yep. to understand mm -hmm. both, right? Um, and I think good leaders recognize that because oftentimes like it's a form of bias right to go into every situation with like i know what side we're going to end up on i know what path we're going to take and so i think there are times and situations when great leaders are able to say i want to understand all parts of this first and then we're going to make a decision so i think there's a time and a place that's the part that's really important hannah is like i think you nailed it which is good leaders have to have strong point of views to get to strong point of views, they have to have all the context. And I think mm -hmm. when you come into any role, you, you, you actually nailed even the right word. Any role you come into with his, history, and so you come in with biases. And so you're like, oh, well, like traditionally, this, this is what's been right. This is what's been wrong. This sounds like what I know to be right. Like I've heard this before. It makes sense to me. I've heard this kind of stuff before. It always seems to be wrong. And then you kind of miss, mm -hmm. you bring all of that with you, and you miss all of the kind of stuff in the middle that's important. It seems like what you both are saying is like you need to kind of live in that middle of a problem to like remove bias, first of all, and see it in totality. And then it might be okay to swing to one side or the other, but you don't know until you really like see it in total completeness versus just right. making a quick snap judgment on something, right? Yeah. And I could close that with something that's really related to the last one. You've probably heard this before. It's actually my favorite quote, which is, in the beginner's mind, there are endless possibilities. In the expert minds, there are few. I think that just like, is one of the best quotes because again, it talks to the fact, which is, you know it all. And so you don't see it all. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Like when you come into something and you're like, well, I've done this before, you miss all of the opportunities. So a great tangible example for managers, and I've certainly made this mistake before, is you personally have tried to do something a couple of times and then your team want to try to redo it and you go in with an expert's yes. mind. Well, I'm the expert here. I've tried to do this before. Let's move on. It's not going to work. Your team are actually in the right place to be able to look at this through a beginner's mind because they have not tried to do that and they could actually see things that you have missed. That beginner's mind is so important. It's why like when you're building your career, getting into roles that actually have half of the stuff that you've done before and half of stuff that you haven't done before is really important to your success because we are much more aware and alive and all our senses are much more alert when things are new. It's why when you go on holiday, 
you're not as much caught in the, the future or the past because you're caught in the present because the present is so new. We're just more alert when we have something new to work on. And so I think that is an incredible quote. It's something I try to uh, remember uh, often. What do you both think? I love that. And I think it comes back to like, I mean, you're also just bored if you're not yeah, yeah. challenged or doing new things, right? Like that's when work gets boring. That's when people become disengaged. And so I think oftentimes, you know, especially when you're managing really high performers, we often say like, oh, we need to give them new things to work on, new initiatives, new challenges, give them exposure to other parts of the business. And that's exactly why I think, because they're at the top of their game and what they're doing now, they're going to get bored. They'll decide to leave. They'll become disengaged if we don't give them new opportunities to keep alerting things and to have that beginner's mindset. So I totally agree. And sometimes you have to seek that out, right? Like I've definitely had times or months or weeks where I'm like, I feel like I haven't like really like felt like totally a newbie at something. And I kind of, and it's an uncomfortable feeling, but you sometimes have to seek it out and it feels really good. Like it's very humbling in a good way to turn on that curiosity and feel like you're just starting for the first time. So I I completely agree. I I got two things on this. I love where we're going. I think sometimes in your life, you remember very specific people saying very specific things and you'll never get it out of your head. One of the things that's like that for me is Brian Halligan is one of the co-founders of HubSpot. He would always say, we want people who are learn-it-alls, not know-it-alls, right? And that is what you're saying, mm. right? And it's like the very like kind of catchy way of saying this. And the other thing, which I was just kind of listening to Hannah, what you were saying, I think people who are learn-it-alls and people who have that beginner mindset, they become addicted to the curiosity and the early stages of something. Yeah. They don't get satisfied and addicted to the answer. They get addicted about the process of getting and learning something new. Oh, you see that, Kip? The inputs, not the results. Kieran, you're killing me. (laughs) You're literally saying it. You're getting there. I'm telling you. You did. I'm with Kieran on this one. I was listening to you and I was like, oh, oh, Oh. things like he might have changed his mind. There's a shift. There's something really big happening in this podcast. This is big. This is like, why are you pulling a mind trick on me today? I feel like we have Zen Kieran on the pod today, which is really freaking me out. This is the most like Zen Kieran has ever been in like the 10 years that I have known him. Mindfulness, Kieran. You are like like Zen as hell right now. This is my life. I mean, it is really impressive, man. <laughs> you know what I feel like? I feel like this podcast is like an episode of Trading Places. Yeah. <laughs> where like Kieran and I have switched uh, roles. Like I'm more yeah. normally the like yeah. more Zen one and you are that. And now I'm like just completely internally conflicted. I'm trying to win today <laughs> because you won the last double down table stakes and kill. Okay. Speaking of that, we got to get into the game. Yeah, let's get into the game. I have one quick thing that we should only talk about for 30 seconds because Hannah's not going to be interested in, but I think it's important to mention is that Polygon and Meta have a big partnership around Web3, NFT integration with Instagram. Polygon is really winning the brand game when it comes to Web3 technologies right now. They are really aggressively courting brands and marketers, Mm. and I'll be very interested to see how this plays out. I think this is more of a just, let's not talk about it for much at all, but just like put a pin in it and know that we're going to come back to this because they are making a big play in kind of the future of the decentralized web to own brand experiences, work with marketers, work with companies. I think this Facebook partnership that they did in the last week was a really key step for them in that. I just wanted to make sure that everybody listening was aware of that. And as you're kind of monitoring the space, things are really happening to get marketers and brands more integrated in in Web3. I think that is great news. It would be cool, Kip, if you could slack me these things because I just bought a bunch of Avalanche and I could have bought Polygon if you told me that. But we have this whole thing where we don't share before the pod. I know, but share things that are like financially prudent where I can invest in them, please. <laughs> deal. Deal. Right, we'll do that. Right, let's do it. 
So for everybody listening, think about Polygon. We'll talk way more about that later. We got to get to the game because we have a really fun game. We got Hannah here to help us. We are about to play the very first round of Marketing Against Humanity. Let's go. All right. For people listening, this is what we did. Kieran and I each were allowed to write 10 prompts. If you've ever played the game Cards Against Humanity, they'd be equivalent to like the white answer cards that you hold in your hand. Hannah, in her hand, is holding a series of self-selected black card prompts that Kira and I have no idea about. And she's going to read one to us. We're each going to read back what we think is our best answer out of the 10 that we have pre-written for this card. And Hannah's then going to pick who wins the round. And we're going to play like five, six rounds of the game. Let's do that. Does that all make sense to everybody? You ready? Are we ready to do this? Yes. We got this. I hope I've done this right. Mm -hmm. All right, Hannah, the floor is yours. Let's do this. All right. Are we ready? Prompt number one. I got 99 problems, but blank ain't one. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I don't think any of mine fit this. <laughs> you go, Kip, and I'm going to try to see if one of mine can fit this. I- I've got 99 problems, but CPC ads aren't one. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You got to use one of the ones you have, man. This is okay. the whole point of the game. I've got 99 problems because you fed your marketing team after midnight. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I like how Kieran just disregarded the prompt. He was like, I'm just going to forget the last part of the prompt. Jay-Z would be disappointed. <laughs> that was the best fit I have, which tells you something about the rest of them. So Hannah, so which answer did you think was better? You know, as much crap as I just gave Kieran, I laughed. That was funny. Kieran, you win that one. Yes. That is your point. Damn it. Uh-huh. Off to a good start. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to make a comeback. Let's do this. Here's the next one. Next from JK Rowling. Harry Potter in the Chamber of Blank. I went first last time, Kieran. You got to go first this time. Harry Potter and the Chamber of... The Chamber of... (laughs) The Chamber of position your product like you position yourself for yoga. Upright, strong, and dressed in comfy clothes. (laughs) What? You got to read that without laughing. That was a really good one. All right. Position Position your product like you position yourself for yoga. Upright, strong, and dressed in comfy clothes. (laughs) <laughs> what i think i've done this wrong i think i know that was amazing okay. it's a long title it's like they're wrong but they're amazing so they're wrong but they're right <laughs> they're amazing all right next from jk rowling harry potter and the chamber of that truly magical feeling when a giphy search gives you exactly what you need for your social media post okay Ooh, this is uh this is a tough one kip that one's all you because i i yes. relate to that That's you. Yes. All right. I was pandering to the judge there. Okay. All right. All right. Number three. Number three. Easy one. What's that smell? (laughs) (laughs) I've got it. Uh, What's that smell? Your brand campaign spokesperson that gets arrested the day before launch. Oh, I like that. (laughs) I like that. Okay. Mine is uh, a little bit more straightforward. What's that smell? A great marketer is like an armadillo (laughs) with sharp claws. Why are they so oh long? <laughs> no, no, I've definitely done this wrong. I've never played this game before. Just so you know, I've like, literally never played it. A great marketer is like an armadillo with sharp claws for digging out opportunities and leathery armor to protect them from the founder's insults. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Oh that's really good. It's a really good one, Karen. I'm not going to lie to you. It is good. I love that you wrote short stories. Like you, you've just been writing short stories. This one is tough. I'm going to have to go with Kieran. I think what's that smell in a long answer about an armadillo is is the winner. <laughs> Perfect. Congratulations, Kieran. That yes. was good. Okay. Here's the next one. Holy sh**. My video of blank has 10 million views. 
<laughs> nice. Okay, my video of your best SEO getting arrested for dabbling in the dark arts has got 10 million views. Okay. All right. Holy sh- my video of when you have written that dope blog post and it all gets deleted because you try to add one more gift than you need <laughs> has 10 million views. Ah, uh, this, this is tricky because neither of them really no, make sense. That was a tough prompt. It was a tough, okay, it was a tough prompt. I'm going to go with Kip. That was you. That was all you. Okay. Well, we're I thought we mine was each? better. We're two each. We're yeah, two each. we're at two each. Okay, next one. All right, maybe this is a little easier. I get by with a little help from blank. Okay, I've got one. Oh, I like the confidence. Yeah. Am I first on this one? Yeah, you're first. And mine is short this time. Makes sense. I get by with a little help from my website going down on Black Friday. That's good. I get by with a little help from my brand marketer who can't find their favorite crayons. (laughs) 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 That's the winner. That is 100% the winner. You you deserve that one, Karen. (laughs) That was was well done. Well done. Kudos. Okay. I like how you prefaced it with it's short and it makes sense (laughs) what a winner that was one of my better ones that did make sense you have three i've got two we got we're doing two more left all right instead of coal santa now gives the bad children blank you go first karen it's your turn um (laughs) ebooks I don't have a great one for this. Instead of Cole, Santa now gives bad children the your intern tweets private company information while you're on vacation. <laughs> I'm still laughing at ebooks. <laughs> ebooks was better. Ebooks was better. I think. Ebooks, I'm sorry. Ebooks is really good. Okay. All right. Congratulations. Karen, that nice. Last one. I'm going to be the last one. You guaranteed the win, Kieran, but I'm going to try to make it respectable. Which really was surprising. Kieran, you're a dark horse. <laughs> Definitely not the betting favorite going into this. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at this. Okay, last one. A romantic candlelit dinner would be incomplete without blank. A romantic candlelit dinner would not be complete without the API going down and your marketing ops person on a beach sipping Mai Tais. Uh, that is a good one. All right. Your romantic dinner wouldn't be complete without marketing because it's like art. When it works, it's rare and expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Philosophical Kieran showing up coming out hot. Wow. What a Whoa. way to close it out. Coming, coming in hot to close. I'm going to give that one to Kip, and this is not a pity point. I, I liked that answer. I was going to say, I hope this is not a pity point. <laughs> I would be, it's I'd be really upset. not. I won anyway. So. You still can't win. I liked that. Yeah. I want to clear that it's not the inputs. <laughs> Actually, I've decided it's only matters if you win or lose. <laughs> Discard everything we said earlier. <laughs> I would like to congratulate you on the inaugural Cards Against Marketing Against Humanity segment. If you want Kieran, Hannah, and I to do this again, please drop it in the review on Apple Podcast or hit us up on Twitter saying that you love the Marketing Against Humanity game and we will we will come back and play it again if enough people say they want to hear it again. I thought it was actually hilarious and... Uh, I'm also deeply upset that you won, Karen. <laughs> we're one each. We're, we're one each now. Oh, okay. Nice. Well, it, well it, yes. We're, that means more games to come more so games that I can come. continue to beat Kieran because that's all that matters. Only the winning matters. The, <laughs> <inputs> <laughs> no matter. the lesson of today's show, 
Only winning matters. Ignore everything else. No, no, no. How much fun did you have? Hannah gave you great leadership wisdom. (laughs) We're back to our happy place where winning matters and inputs do No, that that process was fun. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Process was fun. Thank you for doing that, Hannah. The process was amazing. Hannah, you were an amazing judge, prompt, reader, guest. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for everyone listening. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And until next time, this is Marketing Against the Grain. We'll be back with you soon. 